0: It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament, where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. You know, when I was, was growing up, I didn't really grow up in a Christian home or even a religious home. But I had a good friend as a teenager who was in um, a pretty religious home. And I remember some of the conversations that we would have about what it would take for us to go to heaven. I remember one conversation where he said, well, I'm not worried about going to heaven because my mom gives presents to the priest and talks to him all the time. And hey, my mom's taking care of that for me. And then we'd have these great religious conversations that weren't based on the Bible at all. And then I'd share my philosophy of where I thought or how I thought I was going to heaven. And I said, you know, it's kind of like scales. And as long as my good outweighs my bad, then you know what? God will accept me into heaven. I remember I'd say something like, you know, God knows my heart. So my whole philosophy before I understood the Bible was I would get to heaven as long as my good outweighed my bad. So I saw interest in entrance into heaven as kind of a reward for works that I would do. Paul really puts this kind of uh, understanding of salvation to rest here in Romans chapter number four. And beginning in verse three, really talking about this subject, he says, what does the scripture say? What says the scripture? Really, that should be the authority for these kind of questions and our answers. What does the Bible say? What does the scripture say? So Paul addresses this issue, beginning by establishing the authority for the question in Romans four and verse three. What does the Bible say? What does the scripture say? And then he uses the Old Testament example of Abraham. He says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that works, The reward is not reckoned or counted of grace, but of debt. But to him that does not work, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So it's interesting here in these verses that Paul describes the Lord as having really kind of a set of books like an accountant. And he uses an accounting term here. It's kind of a sense of debits and credits in a ledger. And uh, think of the accounts of our life as, you know, a debit being sin, something that's coming off, and a credit being righteousness. Now. In my analogy, and what I thought growing up as an unbeliever, yeah, you know what? The debit was my sin. The credit was my good works. And as long as I had more credits than debits, then I would be okay. But that's not how Paul describes how God does his accounting here. And he actually uses three different words that describe how God credits things to our account. He uses the word counted. He used the word reckon. And then later, he uses the word impute. And so... God here is kind of described in accounting terms that keeping these debits, keeping these credits of our life. But here's the interesting thing. The credits, as Paul describes it here, do not come from my deeds. They don't come from my works. They come or they come. The righteousness of God is reckoned or imputed, counted or credited to my account, not by what I have done but by what Jesus Christ has done. You see, God's righteousness was credited to my account. It says here as a free gift. The Bible says in verse four, to him that works, the reward is not counted of grace, but of debt. In other words, if God's, um, if, if eternal life is gonna come to me because of something that I do, then that's not a gift. That's just simply a debt that God is giving to paying me back on. But here's what verse five says to him that works, not to him that does not work, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly. Look what it says here. His faith is counted to him for righteousness, man. So how do I get God's righteousness into the account of my life? It's by faith. It's faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. It's faith in the work that Jesus did. Now, he goes on and he uses an Old Testament example of David. Now, the reason he chose Abraham and David here in Romans chapter four, because really, he's kind of considering a Jewish audience in what he's discussing here. Abraham would have been considered the father of the Hebrew nation. We count him as the father of all faithful. And David would have been probably the most famous of all the Jewish kings in the Old Testament. But look what it says in verse six. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man, to whom God imputes or counts righteousness without works. And he's about here to quote a song that David sung back in Psalm 32 and verses 1 and 2. And here in verse 7, he quotes this and he says, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So the Bible says to us, if you want righteousness on the account of your life before God, it is not going to get there by your good works. It is going to get there by faith in Jesus Christ. You see, righteousness doesn't come to us for what we've done. Righteousness comes to us because of what Jesus Christ has done. And even David sang about this. And he said, blessed is the man that God, man, gives righteousness to him, and he doesn't count his sins against him. So the free gift of righteousness, our ticket into heaven, comes by faith in Jesus Christ who died in our place to give us his righteousness. Man, a little chorus used to say, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Hey, Jesus Christ paid a debt when he was dying on the cross that wasn't his debt. It was your debt. It was my debt. He paid a debt he did not owe. And why? Because I owed a debt I couldn't pay. You see, the payment for my debt would have been perfect righteousness. But the problem is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So none of us have perfect righteousness. So we have this debt of perfect righteousness that we are absolutely incapable of paying. Now, we may try to pay it with good works, and we may try to add some weight onto the scale of the good side by the things that we do, but it would never be enough. Because the presence of that sin on the other side, just one, would outweigh eternally the good works that we could possibly do. But one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ falling from the cross was enough to wash away all of my sin. So Jesus paid the debt I owed that I couldn't pay by the gift of righteousness through his sacrifice on the cross. You say, well, how then do I get in on this gift of righteousness? Well, you simply receive it. You receive it by faith in him that is the one who justifies the ungodly. And if you read later on in this chapter, it describes the faith of Abraham that God counted to him for righteousness. Man, there's a great verse over in Romans chapter number 11 and verse 6 that so clearly distinguishes the difference between works and the difference of grace or gift. It says, if it's by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. God says, if it's by grace, it can't be by works. Because if it's by works, then it's no longer grace. You see clearly in Ephesians 2:8 8, and 9, the Bible says, for by grace... Are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves? It is the gift of God, not of um, works, lest any man should boast. So salvation comes by grace. And if you try to mix works in with grace, you've just destroyed grace. It's no longer a gift if you have to work on it. I come up to you and say, hey, man, I have a gift for you. Here's $20. And you take it and you're so excited. I gave you this gift. And then I say, and all you have to do is go out in the parking lot and wash my car. You'd be like, well, that wasn't a gift. Man, that's just a paycheck you're given to me. Exactly. And it's the same way with our acceptance before God, our entrance into heaven. If you think you have to work to get it, then it is no longer a gift. And if it's not a gift, then God doesn't get the glory. You get the glory because it's simply something that he owes you. Jesus paid the debt he didn't owe because I owed the debt I could not pay. You see, the great exchange has taken place. So you and I must receive God's righteousness as a gift of grace as well, like Abraham did, like David did. So the question really this morning is, are you trusting in Jesus Christ to get you into heaven? You say, I, yeah, I'm, I'm trusting Jesus. And now I'm going to work my way to heaven because of what Jesus did. No, see, because now you're tangling grace with works. And that means grace gets thrown away and it's only of works. And it can't be of works to get to heaven. See, Jesus alone is who gets us into heaven. It's faith in what he did um, on the cross. And I remember 30-something years ago when I expressed my faith in Jesus Christ by calling on him and asking him to be my Lord and my Savior. I told Jesus that I believed what he did on the cross was for me. And I believed that his sacrifice was enough to pay for my sins. And I received the gift of eternal life that day. And I have been serving God ever since, not in order to get more on the scale, not to get into heaven, But I have been serving the Lord simply out of appreciation and gratitude because of the sacrifice that he made on my behalf. And I want that for every one of you as well. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't put it off because you do not know if you have tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation And right now, if you are trusting in works in any way to get you into heaven, repent of that immediately and call upon the Lord by faith and simply trust in him, the sacrifice that he made. So the word for today is this. Don't try to work your way into heaven. Receive the free gift of God's grace. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and him alone To take you into heaven. Receive the gift of God's righteousness, the ticket we need in order to enter into heaven. He has given to you in order to be able to deal with those things that you struggle with yourself. That will enable you to be the light and the salt that will be out there better to help others. You see, Jesus said in one place, he said, don't try to take a splinter out of someone else's eye when you haven't taken the board out of your own eye first. Kind of reminds me like when you're on an airplane and they give you the spiel about all the safety procedures and they say in case the cabin loses pressure, the oxygen mask will come down in front of you, but make sure you put the mask on yourself first before you try to lend aid to anyone else. Now that can sound like a very self-centered thing, take care of yourself first, but the reality is what they're saying, you're best going to be able to take care of others when you first are in a position to uh, be strong in yourself. That's what Jesus says. He says, you know what? Don't try to take the splinter out of other people's eyes while you still have a two by four hanging out of yours. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.